So we're going to turn then to Ephesians and chapter 6. And to some of the chapter, the section that we have read. So what should churches do? And how should Christians behave in an age which is becoming more and more ungodly, moving further and further away from God and the teaching of the Bible. What should we do? Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. That's what we're to do. That's what he told the first century Christians living in a city of magic and worship of a goddess, so-called goddess called Diana. It's a very pagan, evil, sinful place. It wasn't an easy place to be a Christian. And he says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Let's ask three questions. Why should we be strong? What does being strong demand? How can we be strong? Three simple questions that are answered here, I think, in our verse and in this uh, chapter. Let me give you four reasons why we should be strong. Because we are weak. Imagine you went to the wrestler and said, you're weak. Well, he'd probably throw you about and you'd be bruised and battered. And, because to arrest a weak is not in his vocabulary. I was a boy, I used to like watching on the telly Saturday afternoon with my dad, uh, resting, giant A-stacks. <laughs> Some of you are old enough to remember him. Giant A-stacks. Well, there we go. I used to see the way they used to throw people about. Weakness is not a word that a wrestler uses. But we have to admit that we are weak in ourselves. We may be physically strong, but spiritually we are weak. So do we have the humility to admit that we are weak? Oh God, I know without your strength I am weak. And I cannot be strong without your might, without your power. Here's another reason. Because we are soldiers. He says, be strong in the Lord. We are soldiers. He's introducing the theme of the Christian soldier. But he first says, first, admit your weakness. Be strong in the Lord. Our strength comes from him. And in the Lord means we have to keep close to him through his word, through prayer. But here's another reason we are soldiers. That's what this section's all about. Christians are soldiers. In a fight, when you became a Christian, you declared war against Satan. And therefore, he says, be strong in the Lord. You're soldiers. You've got to be serious about being a Christian. You can't 
being a Christian is not just a hobby. It's not just something you can take up and leave as you please. You're a soldier every day, 24 hours, day and night. You're a soldier in a war. And you have to be firm and stand and take up this armor of which the apostle speaks. So we're soldiers. The first reason we're weak. The second is we're soldiers. The third reason is that we fight against Satan. So you declared war on Satan when you became a Christian. Satan. He says in verse 12 that we wrestle, do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Flesh and blood are people. People you know, people in your family. Maybe your friends at school, at work. Yes, they will oppose you. They may ridicule you. They will misunderstand what you believe and why you believe it and why you come to a place like this on a Sunday. But the apostle is saying, look beyond flesh and blood, people, friends, family. Behind them is Satan. And he is using them and manipulating them. He is prompting unbelievers. He is um, working through them. So the devil tempts you. But it can often be through the lips of a friend or someone in your family. Oh, you don't want to get too serious about this religion, Mark. Oh, you can come with us to this place, but I don't feel that's a place where I should be as a Christian. Ah, oh, it doesn't matter. Don't be so fussy. And you can enjoy yourself. So the devil speaks sometimes to our family and friends. But behind them, they're like puppets and the devil is pulling the strings. Of course, they, they do what they want because they want to do it. But behind them is like the puppet man pulling the strings. And so we have to be on our guard. We have to be serious. But realizing that it is the devil who's working through people saves us from grudges and defending ourselves. Rather, we feel sorry that that person laughing at me is doing so because the devil is making them laugh. Oh, I should feel sorry for them. I should pray for them. I should do all I can to talk to them about the Lord Jesus and urge them to join the Lord's army and to be marching to heaven and to glory. He uses the word wrestle there in verse 12. Did you notice that? He talks about wrestling. I was talking about wrestling a moment ago. But there it is. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. The wrestling is arms and legs and bodies being entangled and being pushed down to the ground. Will you submit? It's very physical. And he's saying, look, you are wrestling. It's a dangerous, it's a difficult fight that you're in. Against supernatural powers are wrestling with you, trying to get control of you. So Satan is powerful. That's quite clear from verse 12. Satan is powerful. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. What's all that about? You see, Satan's a vast army. Fallen angels. Demons. He's commanding them. And they're running here and there, doing what he says. You can be sure when you come to church that the devil's agents are here somewhere. We can't see them, but they're here. Trying to distract our thoughts. Trying to make us think of all sorts of things. Trying to suggest to us, what's this preacher on about? <laughs> you don't want to listen to that stuff. The devil's always busy. And he's always prompt in coming to worship. I'm sure of that. And he knows the Bible probably better than we do. He can misquote it as he did when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness in Matthew 4. Oh, he knows his Bible. He knows how to twist and turn it and make it mean what he wants it to mean. So he's powerful. He's very crafty. We're reading verse 11 about the schemes of the devil. Schemes. The old version wiles. Schemes. He's very crafty. It's when Adam and Eve were at the tree where they should not have been. Eve by herself, by the tree. He's very crafty. He knows that Adam's not there now. And she's standing by the tree and she's looking at it and she wants to eat the fruit. Take it. Has God said? You don't want to believe what God says. God is unfair. God is cruel. God's unkind. Oh, just one little bite and it won't hurt you. One little bite plunged the whole world into sorrow, sin, death, destruction. He's very crafty. He knows where you're the weakest. Some are more likely to sin in company. They get carried away with the crowd. They don't like to say no to their friends. Others are more tempted when they're by themselves, all by themselves, with their own thoughts and no one there to check what they're doing. You're on the computer all by yourself, going into places where you should not be. He's crafty. He's a bully. He bullies you. Think of the bully at school. Beats you up. Nasty to you. When the teacher's not looking. And the devil's a bully. He'll beat you and tempt you and vex you and then when you do give in he accuses you to God look this is what your Christians do he's a bully and he's a beguiler he's deceitful as he was deceitful with Eve and Adam and Eve in the garden oh dear you say this sounds all very depressing powerful crafty devil yes but he's been beaten that's the good news we're on the victory side the Bible says at the cross, Jesus defeated Satan. And one day Satan's going to be thrown into the bottomless pit, into a fire. No longer to vex the people of God, the Christians. So he's beaten. Remember that. And James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. We have to stand against him, resist him, resist the temptation, and we can see him run. But he'll come back, of course, but so you don't have to be a defeated Christian. Oh, I can't give up. I can't overcome this temptation, this besetting sin. And sometimes, 
No, you have to stand your ground with the power of God against this powerful, crafty devil. You can stand against him. Not in your own strength, but in the might and power of God. So he's weak. We are weak. We are soldiers. We have an enemy, the devil. And here's another reason. The world is a dangerous place. By the world, I mean people are not Christians. There's people at school, there's people at work. Maybe some pe people in your family. I grew up in an unchristian family. <laughs> so I know how dangerous this world can be. Tomorrow, here you are in church with your friends, but tomorrow you've got to among, go among unbelievers. You tell them you've come to church on a Sunday. <laughs> what? That's not cool. It's not cool to go to church. Listen to a man preaching. <laughs> how can you put up with that stuff? So it's dangerous. Even the nice, friendly people are God's enemies. They're your enemies. Paul says in Romans, the sinful mind is hostile to God. Oh, they're nice and friendly. Of course they are. <coughs> but he will try and talk to your friends. Say, but, but, but the Bible says you're a sinner. What? Me? Oh, you'll soon be in trouble. You'll soon find out who your real friends are. So the world's a dangerous place. It wants to draw you from Christ. But you're a soldier and you've got to stand firm. Be strong. That's what he says. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So that's the first question. Why should we be strong? Because we're weak. Because we're soldiers. Because we fight against Satan. And because this world all around us is a dangerous place. So let's ask another question then. It is what does being strong demand? It demands determination. Determination. You must let nothing stop you fighting Satan and being a loyal, faithful soldier of the King of Kings. Now, we were talking about sand with the children. I enjoyed a lovely week in Jersey, a holiday, visiting family. That was great fun. We really enjoyed that. So maybe you're thinking towards your holidays for the summer. Get out the brochures. Where shall we go? Shall we go abroad? Shall we go somewhere in this country we haven't been before? How will we get there? Train, aeroplane, car? Planning holidays. But I tell you this. The devil never, ever takes a holiday. Never. He's been in this business of fighting Christians, opposing God, since the Garden of Eden. Well, before that, when he calls the rebellion in heaven. So he's pretty skillful at this. And he never, 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 never takes a holiday. Well, it's good to take holidays. <coughs> but we can't take a holiday as Christian soldiers away from the conflict. Because wherever we are, whatever we're doing, the devil is never far away. But then the Lord's never far away and he can give you strength to stand. But remember, you've got to be determined. I'm a soldier. I cannot take a holiday. I cannot relax. I've got to be on my guard constantly. Guarding my tongue, guarding my eyes, guarding my ears. Guarding where I go, who I talk to, how I talk. I've got to be determined. You'll never do anything without determination. 
That's true, isn't it? It's true in life, isn't it? If you wanted to learn a language, it takes determination to do some of it every day, I assume. Or if you want to learn to play the piano, you've got to go all through that boring business of scours. Till you've got them. And you've got to do a bit every day, I assume. Is that right, Nigel? All of a bit. <laughs> I can't play anything. But determination. You want to get a good mark in the GCSC or your A level. You want to get an A. You've got to really work at it. I know when I did some even classes in Billsway, I did child development psychology. I was trying to do in one year, I guess, what spreads over three years <laughs> if you're at school. I read books in the library, I just got about just about every book I could out of the Biggleswade Library on Psychology, and in the end I, well, I got an A. There we are. Scratch my big head. But it took determination. I was doing all that while I was pastor here, trying to pre prepare sermons every week as well. It takes determination, it takes discipline. Discipline, we don't like that word, do we? Discipline, we don't like it. Discipline. If you're really going to be strong in the Lord, discipline in your Bible reading, you've got to get into the good habit of reading your Bible every day. Okay, we all miss a day here and there, and we don't want to beat ourselves up because of it. Things happen you didn't expect, something turns up. But on the whole, it should be a rule that as a Christian soldier, I'm going to read the instructions from the captain, the commander, the king of kings, and those instructions are in the Bible, and therefore I need to be daily reading my Bible. Some kind of system, not just jumping all over the place. And also discipline in prayer. To be honest, I find prayer difficult. It is difficult. You think, well, it seems a bit strange talking and nobody's there in the room with me. But, but God's listening. God sees your heart. He knows your thoughts. He knows what your need is. He knows your weaknesses. He knows that you need his strength. And you need to pray to bring down God's strength. One of the devil's master tricks is one, to convince you that he doesn't exist. And then second, to stop you praying. Because he knows if you pray, then you are strong against him. So he will do all he can to stop you praying. And when you're praying, to distract your thoughts. So we have to be disciplined in Bible reading, disciplined in prayer, disciplined in attendance of worship. What I've discovered since I've been preaching around different churches is that in most churches, the evening service is poorly attended. Sadly, it's true in the church one of men. Why is that? Are we content just to give God half the day? What are we doing if we're not in the evening service? Are we watching television? Surely we ought to be disciplined here as well. I'll be in the evening service too. 
Because I want to be with Christians. I want to hear more from the word of God. I want to receive instruction. It will help me to be strong in the Lord. It will help me as a Christian soldier. Don't be content just in God a bit of the day. No, no. It's the Lord's day. Should we not be with Christians as often as we can? Okay, there's no law, there's no rule in the Bible that says you must be there ten, uh, t- quarter to ten, six thirty. No, no, but, but, but surely if the word of God is preached and Christians are there, I want to be with them. And the same with the prayer meeting on Wednesday, the midweek meeting. Why are you not there? Well, if, if you're not. If you are, brilliant. And if you're there, pray. Don't just sit silently, pray. Take part. And the Lord will bless you. So there needs to be discipline. And also there needs to be fellowship. What does being strong demand? Determination, discipline, fellowship. You see, you can't fight this battle all by yourself. Soldiers, they fight together as an army. We don't get one soldier going off with his gun. I'll fight this battle. I can deal with this enemy. Well, that'd be ridiculous, wouldn't it? The whole army is there with their guns and their tanks and they're fighting together. And we need to fight together as the people of God. In unity together. It says in Ephesians 4, uh, keep the unity of the Spirit, not fighting one another. Oh, sad to say, that often's too oft- that happens too often. Christians fighting one another, disagreeing with one another, being unforgiving towards one another. Oh, no, that's not how it should be. We need to stand shoulder to shoulder, marching together, fighting the common enemy, the devil, standing against this ungodly world, the influence of the ungodly world in which we live. Oh, we should value the friendship and the fellowship of Christians. I can look back over many years and I thank God for Christian people who've helped me. Pastors, Christian leaders, deacons, Bible class leaders, way back Sunday school teachers, deacons, I mean pastor in two churches. These people are become my friends they've they've helped me and encouraged me to go on in the Christian life sometimes some of those friends have spoken very plainly with me well Stan you're getting into something unwise here an unwise friendship maybe this particular thing will not help you Stan God has given me the grace, the humility to accept what Christian friends have told me, how they have gently reproved me and rebuked me and encouraged me to be more determined, more disciplined. Thank God for Christian friends. So the first question is, why should we be strong? Because we're weak, because we're soldiers, because we're fighting the devil, because this world is a dangerous place. What does being strong demand? Determination, discipline, fellowship. And no doubt we could add to that list, but we must move on to the third question. How can we be strong? How can we be strong? 
Well, pray for God's power. That surely is in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord. That's where your power comes from. In the Lord and in the strength of his might. That, I think, is a reference to the Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit lives in you. From the moment you become a Christian, God's Spirit lives in you. And it's through God in you, by his Spirit, that you can be strong. You're weak in yourself. Yes, we've said that. We surely must realise that. So we are dependent upon God and upon his power. Have there not been times when you felt so weak? Oh God, I can't take another day. I've just about had enough. I'm at my wit's end. Probably don't use that expression now, do you? But you know what I mean. I can't go on, Lord. I can't go on with this suffering, with this pain, with this situation in my family, this situation at work, at school. I can't go on with this, oh God. And God says, yes, you can. I will give you my power. I will give you my help. As he said to Paul, the apostle who tells us in the Corinthian letter that he had a thorn in the flesh. Some kind of disability that wouldn't go away. It was ongoing. It was persistent. He's had it at least 14 years by the time he writes about it in 2 Corinthians 12. And he prays, oh God, take it away. Can't I serve you better without this thorn? No, God says, no, you'll serve me better with this thorn. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, therefore I glory, I boast in my infirmities. Thank you, God, for giving me a thorn that's painful, very painful, and it's persistent. I'd rather not have it. Thank you, God, for giving me this. Because through this experience, I proved your power and your strength in a way that I could not otherwise. And I can look back on painful experiences in my life. And God has brought me through them. And when I've come through them, I've said, thank you, God. You were there. You helped me. You gave me strength. You sustained me. I proved your power in a most extraordinary way that I never thought possible. And you must wear your armour. Pray for God's power. But wear your armour. That's what he's talking about here. He says in verse 13, Take up the whole armour of God. He says, Having fastened, fastened on the belt, put on the breastplate, put on your shoes, take up the shield of faith, take the helmet, take hold of the sword. You see, there's God's power. We can't do anything apart from God's power. But there's our human responsibility. You have got to put on the belt. You have got to put on the breastplate. You have got to put on the shoes. You have got to pray to God. You have got to fight with determination and discipline in fellowship with the people of God. God's not going to do it all for you. God says, as you face the enemy... You live your Christian life in the world. They were living it in Ephesus, a wicked place, as we live our Christian lives in Potton, Biggleswade, Dunton, wherever you live, for me in Welling. God comes and fills us with his 
So depending on God does not cancel out human activity, human responsibility. So we're to daily, deliberately, take up the armor. Now every day you get dressed, don't you? I assume you have a bath or a shower or a wash, I hope so. And, uh, and then you think, now what am I going to wear today? Look in the wardrobe. If you're a lady, you probably think, I've got nothing to wear. That's not strictly true, is it? For us men, we tend to put on the same thing day in, day out, till the wife says, about time I wash that shirt, Stan. <coughs> so you put on your clothes every day. So you have to put on the armour. You have to think about, I'm a Christian soldier, I'm in a battle, I'm in a, I'm in a warfare. I've got to prepare myself and defend myself, put on the armour and, and uh, 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 take up the uh, shield and so on. Consciously putting on the armour each day as I put on my clothes. Praying, oh God, I don't know what I'm going to meet today. But will you give me your power? Will you help me to resist temptation? Will you help me to be strong? Will you help me to say the right things, to think the right things, to do the right things, to live in a way that will please you and glorify you, and to live in a way that will prepare me for heaven? That ought to be our attitude, not just drifting into the day without really thinking about God. And that's why it's good to pause at the beginning of the day and read the Bible. Okay, you may not have time then, but, but sometime in the day to pause and reflect and pick up your Bible and to pray. Even if you have time to stop for extended Bible reading early in the morning, you've got to get off to work, school. But at least just pause and pray. Lord, I commit this day to you. So you're to take up your armour. And notice he says that we are to put, take up the whole armour of God. Not just bits of it, but all of it. You need all of the armour to be protected and to be strong in the Lord. And the armour protects us against the schemes of the devil, verse 11. And the devil's army, verse 12, all those demons, evil spirits, and there are so many of them. And the armour protects us against the devil's attacks. Verse 16, he talks about the flaming darts of the evil one. And that means that the enemy would fire arrows, would fire on them. And they would put up their shields to protect themselves against the flaming arrows, the darts of the evil one. And the devil can come at you like firing an arrow. It's so quick. Into your mind comes a thought. You know, I don't want that thought. It, it's, it's not a spiritual thought. You have to reject it immediately. Don't play with it. Sometimes when thoughts come and you don't want them, an old Puritan called William Gurnall, 17th century, used to call them the devil's brats. The devil's brats. He puts them into your head. And you've got to turn out the devil's brats straight away. Kick them out. Don't start playing with them. Oh, lovely little children. Some rough children came into your house, started trashing it. Well, you'd, you would turn them out in no uncertain terms, wouldn't you? Out! 
What are you doing in my house trashing it? Get out at once or I'll call the police. Gurnall says the devil's brats come at us. Thoughts trying to get into our head. We're going to turn them out ruthlessly, firmly, with determination. Get out. You're the devil's brats and I'm booting you out. talks about the evil day in verse 13 I've been thinking about that what does that mean therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day what does that mean I think it means times of special temptations times of special trials in our lives in our churches and in the context he's been talking about Husbands, wives submitting to your husbands, husbands loving your wives, children being obedient to parents, fathers not exasperating their children, and the behavior of masters and slaves, the conduct of believers in the workplace. And there are times when we're under special stress in our marriages, maybe. Special stress in bringing up our children they're going through difficult rebellious times maybe times when you're finding it difficult to be a father and not to exasperate your children difficult times for a mother sees children going through troubles and trials and maybe they're sick in hospital the evil day is special times when life is difficult satan is very busy we need God's help in it in special ways. And so there's this armor, the, the armor, the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shoes, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, and maybe not call prayer like a weapon. He says you're to stand. You put on the armor to stand, verse 11. That you may be able to withstand, having done all to stand, firm, stand, therefore, you are dressed in your armour, you're ready for battle. Desertion is never an option. A soldier who deserts ends up in, uh, in a military court, in a prison, I assume. So you can't run away. You must never think, I've had enough of this. I can't stand anymore being a Christian. It's just too hard. Never, never, never let that thought enter your head. You say, I'll be a Christian soldier, whatever happens, because this is the road to heaven. If I turn away from the Lord, I might prove not to be a genuine Christian, and I'm then I'm on the road to hell. It's as serious as that. It's a matter of life, eternal life, eternal death. I must hurry on. Always pray. I love verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit, all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. John Bunyan calls this the weapon of all prayer. Another writer I read on this section says we are to fight on our knees. I like that. And as a hymn, restraining prayer, we cease to fight. It means we stop praying, we cease to fight. Prayer makes the Christian's armour bright. And Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. That's brilliant poetry. It's even better good theology. It's good practical theology. 
Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. Are you going to make Satan tremble this week? That's what you should do. Having heard a sermon on be strong in the Lord, you should say, right, I'm going to make the devil tremble because I'll be on my knees and I'll be fighting. We'll never be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might if we do not pray. This evening I plan to look at the belt and the breastplate. Now I'm here again in a month and then the month after that. And my idea is to look at some of this armour, to look at the armour and to look more at this passage. Go home, read it, think about it. Think, now what could he say about belt and breastplate? Whatever could that mean? Uh, and uh, the same with the other bits. Shoes, what's that all about? Uh, Shoot of faith, uh, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. I wonder what all that means. See if you can work it out. And then come and listen to me preach on this section. So let's pray. So our God, we thank you then for the mighty power that you give to us through your Holy Spirit is within us. And Lord, we pray you'll help us then to be strong. Lord, there may be some here this morning are going through very, very difficult times. It's like the evil day. Everything seems to be against them and everybody against them. Maybe there are some who are so weak, they're feeling that it's just not worth all the trouble and bother to be a Christian. And they're thinking of deserting. Oh God, may you have shaken them up and challenged them to go on uh, in the Christian life through the uh, sermon this morning. Help us all. We know, oh God, how weak we are. And some of us have been fighting for years and years. And you have been with us and given us strength and lifted us up and forgiven us in the times when we failed you and let you down and sinned very badly against you. We thank you for your mighty grace that comes to us through the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. So hear us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, have we got another hymn to sing? <laughs>